Good morning and welcome Abundant Life. We're glad that you could join us this morning. I want to ask you something. How many, how many of you grew up kind of through the 80s? You know, back when there was big hair, big sweaters, skinny jeans. I mean, there's skinny jeans today, but one of the things that we listened to back then were on cassettes. Our music was on cassettes. And, and uh, for any of those that grew up in the 80s, you know what a cassette is and you know exactly what I'm talking about. But there's a song in the, in the 80s that I'm wondering if you're familiar with. And the lyrics to this 80s song go something like this. Suddenly, life has new meaning to me. There's beauty up above and the things we never take notice of. You wake up suddenly, you're in love. That's right, Billy Ocean, suddenly. This song is about a revelation. Suddenly, uh, life has new meaning. Everyone has who has encountered Jesus Christ and become his follower, they've had a suddenly experience. And now life suddenly has new meaning. And that's the revelation that they have had. In the Bible, which is a manuscript compiled of 66 books, uh, books written by 40 different authors over the span of 1,500 years, which I believe has historical value because many of its authors were eyewitnesses of the accounts and the events that they wrote about. There's a particular event that took place around 35 AD that I would like to draw your attention to. And, and it's found in the book of Acts. And an interesting fact about this book is that it's written by the Grecian Dr. Luke. And Luke was the only non-Jewish author in the New Testament portion of the Bible. You see, he also wrote a self-titled book named after himself, The Gospel According to Luke, which is really a prequel to Acts. And something you may not have known about Luke is that he was close, a close friend and companion to a guy that is known as uh, Paul. And Paul is, is the man that I want us to look at this morning. What, do we, what can we say about Paul? Uh, first off, uh, before he was known as Paul, he was formally known as, as Saul. Before he changed his name from Paul, Saul uh, caused quite a stir in the first century. Uh, no other person other than Jesus himself shaped the history of Christianity like he did. His actions lead, uh, leading up to his suddenly moment were significant uh, to the fulfillment of Jesus' final command to his followers, which is found in Acts chapter 1, verse 8. And I want to steer your attention there right now. This is what it says in Acts chapter uh, 1, verse 8. It says, But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be my witnesses, telling people about me everywhere, in Jerusalem, throughout Judea, in Samaria, and to the ends of of the earth. That's exactly what happened when a man named Stephen, a follower of Jesus, was killed because of his faith. And afterwards, there was a great uh, persecution that had broken out in uh, Jerusalem, and Christians fled everywhere. But everywhere the Christians fled, the gospel spread. 
What's this word gospel, you ask? Well, I'm glad that you asked that because it means good news. And what's the good news? Jesus is not dead, but he's alive, which means he is who he said he is, and he's done exactly what he said he would do. Everywhere Christians fled, the gospel message spread. From the first century until, the, the, until now, the gospel message of Jesus Christ has been spread throughout Jerusalem, throughout Judea, in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Saul's suddenly moment happened while he was on a business trip to Damascus. Saul had arrest warrants for Christians in Damascus that were signed by none other than the high priest. Damascus was under uh, a major uh, commercial trading city located approximately 150 miles northeast of Jerusalem in the uh, Roman province of Syria. And because other cities throughout the Roman world were linked to Damascus because of their trading routes, Saul figured that if he could stamp out Christianity there, it would cease to spread any further. In Acts chapter 9, verses uh, uh, 3 to 5. It says, As he was approaching Damascus on this mission, a light from heaven uh, suddenly shone around him. He fell to the ground and heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why, do you, why are you persecuting me? Who are you, Lord? Saul asked. And the voice replied, I am Jesus, the one you are persecuting. Interesting how Jesus phrased it. Saul, why are you persecuting me instead of my people? Well, John records that Jesus' words in saying this in John 15, verses 4 and 5. And uh, let me just turn there. John 15, verses 4 and 5. It says, Remain in me and I will remain in you. For a, bunch, a branch cannot produce fruit if it is severed from the vine, and you cannot be fruitful unless you remain in me. Yes, I am the vine, and uh, yes, I am the vine, you are the branches. Those who remain in me and I in them will produce much fruit, for apart from you, me, you can do nothing. Jesus makes the connection that those who follow him are one with him. So when Saul was persecuting Christians, he was essentially persecuting Christ. The purpose of Jesus' uh, suddenly encounter with Saul was an inv invitation for Saul to be one with him. And now the ball is in Saul's court. Will he accept the invitation or decline it? In Acts chapter 9, verse 6, it says this. Now get up and go into the city, and you will be told what you must do. In other words, carry on to Damascus and wait further instructions. And he continues on in Acts chapter 7, verses, uh, uh, actually in verse 7 uh, on to verse 9, he says, the men with Saul stood speechless, for they heard the sound of someone's voice, but saw no one. Saul picked up, or picked himself up off the ground, but when he opened his eyes, he, he was blind. So his companions led him by the hand to Damascus. In verse 9, 
He remained there blind for three days and did not eat or drink. Did not eat or drink. Suddenlies in life are difficult to prepare for. Sometimes they knock us down, leaving us speechless. Feeling blind and helpless, suddenlies can lead us from uh, to Jesus or drive us further away from Him. From my observation, more people have come to Jesus in their time of need than when they do when things are going fine and well and dandy. After all, who needs a Savior if you don't need saving? Saul, the first time, uh, for the first time in his life, realized he needed a Savior. He needed Jesus. His disbelief became belief in a suddenly moment. Sometimes the only way that God can get through to us is by knocking us on the ground. And, and leading up to this moment, Saul had witnessed some pretty extraordinary things. He witnessed a man who had stood for his faith and showed love and forgiveness towards him, uh, towards his persecutors, right up until his last breath. And he witnessed countless others willing to lay down their lives so that they, uh, for this so-called Messiah named Jesus. I can only imagine how this self-made man, Saul, became completely undone when he suddenly encountered the risen Jesus. And aren't you glad that God doesn't leave us in the dust? If we allow Him, uh, He will uh, uh, lead us and guide us to wherever we need to go. Saul continues on the road to Damascus with the aid of his companions. And he spends the next three days in prayer and fasting. And it is at that point where we are introduced to a, another man in the story. And his name is Ananias. And Ananias was a devout follower of Jesus. While he's in prayer, God speaks to him. And he's speaking to him in verses 9, verses, uh, in, in chapter 9, verses 11 uh, and 12. And this is what he says. Uh, the Lord said, go, uh, to, go over to Straight Street to the house of Judas. When you get there, ask for a man from Tarsus named Saul. He is praying to me right now. I have shown him a vision of a man named Ananias coming, to, uh, coming in and laying hands on him so that he can see again. So that he can see again. Interesting fact about Straight Street which is also known as the Via Recta in Latin. It's a straight, uh, it, it's a straight east to west through fair through Damascus built by the Greeks after the city came under the Alexander the Great's rule. During the subsequent, uh, subsequent uh, Roman rule, Straight Street was widened and included colonnades. Today, Straight Street still ex uh, exists, and you can see physical evidence of the colonnades. Now, just to give you some perspective of the enormity of what God was asking of Ananias when he told him to go see Saul, it would be like Martin Luther King Jr. going to see David Duke of the Ku Klux Klan. So it wasn't just a small task. This was a huge ask that God was asking of Ananias. And it's not like God was instructing Ananias to go and to witness to an atheist. He was going to see a militant extremist. And the kicker here is that Ananias was to go lay hands upon Saul so that his sight would be restored. Great, right? 
Restore his sight, the, 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 restore the sight of a Christian killer so that he can go on and kill more Christians. Uh, and, and are you sure, God, you really know what you're doing? And so you can understand why Ananias was a little apprehensive and maybe asked those questions of God. In Acts chapter 9, verse 15, it continues on here. It says, But the Lord said, Go, for Saul is my chosen instrument to take my message to the Gentiles and to kings, as well as to the people of Israel. Saul strategically chose Damascus to stamp out Christianity, while God strategically chose Saul to fuel his movement for Christianity even further. And that's what happened. Saul, who later changed his name to Paul, wrote over half of the New, the New Testament portion of the Bible. And, and this mercenary became a missionary. He planted many churches and inspired and encouraged many uh, of the church leaders during the first century. But he also experienced firsthand persecution and suffering. Listen to the, the, the things that he went through. Five times he was given 39 lashes by the Jewish, Jewish leaders. Three times he was beaten with rods, and, and, and once he was stoned and left for dead. Uh, three times he was shipwrecked, and one of those times he spent the whole night adrift at sea. Once he was even bitten by a poisonous snake, and he managed to survive uh, uh, this, this venomous, uh, uh, from this venomous snake. On his long missionary journeys, he faced dangers from rivers and robbers, and he faced persecution from his own people, Jews, as well as foreigners, Gentiles, and even those who, believed to, uh, who were believed to be his friends. This man, Saul, uh, who became Paul, was no stranger to danger. And yet, at the end of his life, he wrote these words to a young pastor named Timothy in 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 7. Let me just turn there quickly here. He says, I have fought the good fight, I have finished the race, and I have remained faithful. Now let's go back to our story in Acts chapter 17. And it says, so Ananias went and found Saul, and he laid his hands on him and said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus, who appeared, uh, who appeared to you on the road, has sent me so that you might regain your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. See, Saul is not his enemy, nor is he just some guy. Ananias calls him brother. He is now family. How has Ananias able? How was Ananias able to switch gears from calling him uh, public enemy number one to calling him brother? It's because of what Jesus said in John, and this is what it says in in John chapter thirteen, uh, verses thirty four. So now I'm giving you a new commandment. Love each other just as I have loved you. You should love each other. Your love for one another, get this, will prove to be through the world that you are my disciples. That's how Ananias was able to do it. And that's how we're able to do uh, it as well. To love one another. God sent Ananias to not only heal Paul 
or uh, physically, but to also bring about a spiritual awakening so that he may be filled with the Holy Spirit. You see, when we surrender our lives to Jesus Christ, we are immediately adopted into the family of God. And that's why at Abundant Life Chapel, we use such terms as church family. This is to remind us all that we're not just people who gather together, and right now we're not gathering together in our church building, but we're gathering together online right now, right here, and we're all one family. And this is what it says in Acts chapter 9, verse 18. It says this. Instantly something like scales fell from Saul's eyes. And he regained his sight, then he got up and was baptized. Paul had a suddenly. Suddenly his life had new meaning. And, and he discovered the beauty up above, things he had never took notice of. And, and his spirit was awoken, and suddenly he's in love with Jesus. With Jesus. Saul, who changed his name to Paul, later wrote this in Galatians 2.20. My old self has been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. So I live in this earthly body by trusting in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. Here's what I hope you'll take away from this message this morning. That, that God is able to soften the hardest of hearts with a suddenly. And that we should be willing to suddenly step out of our comfort zone when God asks us to. And that God is suddenly able to do exceedingly more than we could ever imagine using the unlikeliest of people. And because of Jesus, suddenly the old is gone and the new has come. Amen? Amen. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, I thank you that we could... Learn about your servant, Paul. And God, we thank you for the transition and the transformation that you did in his life. And God, I believe that you are still transforming lives today. And so, Lord, I'm praying for those today that maybe need a suddenly. A suddenly in their life that will change the course of their life around. Lord, wherever, this, wherever, wherever these people are at, Lord, for those that are hurting, those that are helpless, those that are just feeling lost right now, I pray that suddenly your presence would be felt by them and that, God, they would come and know the fullness that you have for them in life. And so, God, I give this to you today. In Jesus' holy name, amen.